This evening we'll spend our time in John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. Please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. And hear now the word of the Lord from John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Christ, who is the door of the sheep. We pray, O God, that as we spend the next few moments exploring this wonderful metaphor, that you would speak to us by your word. Would you show us Christ, the only way to salvation? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So much of our world today is full of confusion, chaos, calamity, other C words. We're all constantly inundated with more and more information, aren't we? The 24-hour news cycle has created a, a cottage industry of reporters trying to tell us anything and everything that's happening in the world right now, even if it doesn't matter or whether or not we need to know it. In the midst of all that confusion, it can be hard to know where to focus. What do we put our eyes on? How do we know which way to go? And in fact, there's whole genres of books and podcasts and articles all about telling busy people how to slow down, trying to tell overwhelmed and overworked people how to focus on one thing at a time in order to accomplish all their tasks. Though our world is certainly busier than it was 2,000 years ago, there were still plenty of distractions to draw people's attention away from the things that they should be focused on or to cause them to lose focus or misunderstand. Well, Thanks be to God that our great God is not a God of confusion, is He? He doesn't want His people to live in confusion. And so Christ, the, the Son of God, our Savior and King, came to earth to reveal God to us. He came as God incarnate. So throughout the Gospel of John, in order to provide clarity and focus to His people, Jesus clearly tells those who have ears to hear exactly who He is and what He came to earth to do. He does this in part through the seven I am statements that we have in the Gospel of John. In these statements, Jesus reveals different aspects of His person and work. Christ, as we have seen already, is the bread of life and the light of the world. In the following weeks, we'll see that Christ is also the Good Shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life, and the true vine. But in John 10... Verses 7 through 10, Jesus shows us another picture of who He is. 
when he says, I am the door. As you and I will see as we explore this metaphor, Christ shows us that he is the only way of access to God. And he also shows us that when his sheep enter through the door, Christ provides them with safety, with security, and with full satisfaction. Well, as, we, as it is with the other I am statements, uh, it's vital to understand the context in which Jesus tells us that he is the door of the sheep. And that context really begins in John chapter 9. In that chapter, Jesus heals a man who was born blind, and he heals him on the Sabbath. Outraged that Jesus would perform this work on the day of rest, the Jewish leaders interrogate the man to see who he is and and what he's all about. They aren't convinced that he was actually born blind, and so they interrogate him to make sure that he was. They interrogate his parents and ask them the same question. All the while, these Jewish leaders are trying to get this man to tell them something incriminating about Christ so that they can arrest Christ and can put him to death. But their interrogation, of course, doesn't yield any fruit. It doesn't do what the Jews hope it will. It doesn't give them any ammunition they can use against Christ. And so it leads eventually to the Jewish leaders kicking this man out of their presence and barring him from the synagogue. Instead of fulfilling their duty as leaders of God's people to care for this man, the Jewish leaders cast him out because because he refused to repeat their lies about Christ and instead said rightly that Christ is a prophet. The Jewish leaders excommunicate him. Instead of calling Christ a sinner for healing on the Sabbath, the man simply says, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. After this, we read in John 9, verse 35, that Jesus, our compassionate Savior, hears what has happened to this man, and he he seeks him out. John 9, starting in verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And the Jewish leaders kicked kicked the man out of their presence. Christ finds him. He brings him into the fold by grace through faith. Well, some of the Pharisees overheard Jesus' gracious words to this man. And so they asked Jesus in verse 40, "Uh, Are we also blind? Are you talking about us, Jesus? Are we those who used to see And have become blind? And Jesus said to them in verse 41, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Are we the blind ones, Jesus? The Pharisees ask him. 
And essentially Jesus says, yes, yes. And it's in this context of this miraculous work that Jesus does in this man born blind that Jesus goes on to tell a a, a figure of speech, a parable in chapter 10, verses 1 through 6, a parable about the shepherd and his sheep. And there, I'll read those those verses for us as well. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the stranger. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So in John chapter 9, Jesus heals a man born blind. He then tells the Jewish leaders that just as this man was physically blind, so too are they spiritually blind. They are not able to see by grace through faith the things of God. They're not even able to see the Son of God who's standing right in front of them, who's speaking directly to them. They can, of course, see him with their eyes, but they cannot understand what he is saying to them. They do not spiritually see him. They don't believe in him. Not only are these men, uh, these Jewish leaders, spiritually blind, but they've also rejected one of God's true sheep. They've kicked this man out of their synagogue, showing that they're not true shepherds, but rather they are those thieves and robbers and strangers who come to lead the sheep astray, who come to steal and to kill and to destroy. Like he does in many of his parables throughout the Gospels, Christ tells a parable in John chapter 10, verses 1 through 6, and then he goes on to explain that parable and to clarify it in verses 7 through 18. And the first part of his explanation is where we will spend the remainder of our time this evening, verses 7 through 10. Jesus, in his parable, says that those who do not enter the sheepfold by the door are thieves and robbers, but that the sheep will know the shepherd because he enters by the door. Jesus, he tells us, is the door. There is only one valid way to enter the sheepfold, only one way to gain entry to the sheep and to the pastures that the shepherd has prepared for them. Only one way to have life and to have it abundantly. And that way is through the door. Dear friends, Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. Over and over again, the Bible is clear. You and I are sinners. We stand in desperate need of God's grace. Our sin is so great that God would be entirely justified to condemn each and every one of us. We all have sinned against God, and the wages of sin is death. But God, in his mercy toward us, 
does not give us what we deserve. He doesn't give us the eternal and, and personal torment in hell that you and I deserve by our own merits. No, God in his grace instead gives us what we do not deserve. Forgiveness and peace. He gives us reconciliation with God through Christ our Savior. Not only that, but all who are in Christ, who are united to Christ, are not just given those benefits of redemption, they're given Christ. If you repent of your sins and place your faith in Christ by God's grace, you not only have forgiveness of those sins, you not only will surely have eternal life, You not only are justified in God's sight and are being sanctified by His Spirit, you also and chiefly have Christ Himself. And your salvation, dear one, if you are in Christ, your salvation is as secure as Christ's own. In union with Christ, God has stitched you to your Savior's side. So that his good works become your good works. His righteousness becomes your righteousness. His life becomes your life. Christ is the door. He's the only way to the Father. In Ephesians 2.18, God's word says, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Through him, only through Christ, the door do you and I have access to the Father? Earlier in John's gospel, Jesus expounds on the truth that all those who come to him will surely be saved. All those who come through him will have eternal life. In John chapter 6, starting in verse 37, Christ says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. In a sermon in Acts chapter 4, the apostle Peter boldly proclaims to the crowd that there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's no other name. There's no other way. There is no other door. All other so-called gods are liars and charlatans. All other supposed means of salvation apart from Christ will come to nothing. Christ, the door, is the only means of entry into the kingdom of God. Our Lord himself says much the same thing again in Matthew chapter 7. These well-known verses in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13, where Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, And the way is easy that leads to destruction, but those who enter by it and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, 
and those who find it are few. The narrow path, Jesus says, looks perilous and difficult, but it leads to life. The broad path looks light and easy, but it leads straight down a sharp cliff to sure and certain death. And Christ tells us in John chapter 10 that those who attempt to gain entry to the sheepfold by another way show their hand. They reveal who they really are. They disqualify themselves immediately because they're avoiding the only sure way into the sheepfold. Those those who do this will be found out because they don't have permission to be where they are. These thieves and robbers don't care for the sheep. They only want to use them, to use them for their meat or their wool. They're only interested in using them for their own personal gain. So too it is the way with the church's leaders who come in by another way. Instead of caring for God's people Church leaders like this, like these thieves and robbers, they seek money from the sheep or adoration, praise, attention, or any other favors that they think they can get. They seek their personal gain and not the good of the sheep, not the good of the chief and good shepherd. False shepherds, false leaders in the church are prevalent throughout the church in every age. And they're detrimental to the flock. They are. They, they can lead God's people away. Lead them down dark and difficult paths. But it's important to keep in mind that those false shepherds will not and cannot lead God's true sheep astray permanently. Christ says that the true sheep will not listen to the voices voices of strangers. They only listen for the voice of the shepherd, only hear and heed his voice. And so the strangers who come in, the false shepherds who try to lead God's people away will certainly cause trouble. They'll lead people away for a time. They'll lead astray, of course, the goats who don't belong in with the sheep. But as Jesus says of his true sheep, no one, no one can take them out of my hand. Dear ones, Jesus is the door. And this shows not only that he's the exclusive means of access to the sheepfold, but also that when the sheep enter by him, he provides them with safety and security, with satisfaction all their days. In his excellent book on church leadership called The Shepherd Leader, PCA minister Tim Whitmer relates a conversation that he had with a sheep farmer from Pennsylvania. This is his conversation. He says, I asked Mrs. Herr, what is the shepherd's most important tool? Of course, in my mind, I had the romantic idea of the shepherd's staff that he would use to gently retrieve a wandering sheep, or perhaps it was the rod that was useful in beating off predators. Other suggestions are a dog or the voice of the shepherd. These were good possibilities, but Mrs. Herr's answer took me by surprise. Whitmer says that Mrs. Herr said clearly 
and without hesitation, the fence. She added that if there were no fence, the sheep would merely wander away. Sheep need a fence to define the borders of their home. And the fence needs a door to shut them in and keep the predators out. Without a fence, sheep wander. So too, you and I easily wander, don't we? Far too easily wander. We often sing the words, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. You and I are prone to wander. We need Christ and his word to keep us inside the fence, to define the boundaries of our territory, to keep us safe from those who seek our harm. Without Christ, without keeping our eyes and our minds, our hearts fixed upon Christ, we would be lost. Yet we also know that our precious Savior promises, again, that no one can take them out of my hand. No one, he says, can take his sheep out of his hand or out of his father's hand. Do you take comfort in those words, dear believer? No one can take you out of the father's hand. No one can access the sheepfold without going through Christ. And so what that means is that even you, dear believer, don't have the power to walk out of the sheepfold without passing through Christ the door. Your salvation is not something that you can just pick up and and put down on your own at, at your whim. Even though you and I are wandering sheep, sometimes listening to any and every voice except the voice of our good shepherd. We know that we can't simply walk away if we are truly in Christ and united to him. Christ is the door. Part of that, part of what that means is that you can take comfort in the fact that even you cannot decide to reject Christ if you are one of his sheep. He will not let you out of his hand. It's, of course, true that many people who at one time professed faith no longer do so, and that they will be found outside the sheepfold on that last day. But as the Apostle John says in his first letter to the churches. He says that those who do this, who, uh, who leave and walk away from the faith, he says they went out from us because they were not of us. That is, they wandered away because they hadn't entered the sheepfold by the gate. They weren't under the protection of that door, and they walked off because they, were never, they never truly believed in Christ. In H.W. Baker's rendition of Psalm 23, which we sing here quite often, entitled, The King of Love My Shepherd Is. Verse 3 says this, Perverse and foolish oft I strayed, but yet in love he sought me, and on his shoulder gently laid, and home rejoicing brought me. Christ is the faithful shepherd who leaves the flock of 99 to find the one lost sheep. Christ will not abandon his own. He will not allow the sheep to wander. He is the door who keeps us in. Many false teachers 
seek to kill, steal and kill and destroy Christ's sheep. They may even come falsely in the name of the shepherd, but they won't be speaking with his voice. True sheep, as we'll see next time we're together, Lord willing, hear and heed the voice of their shepherd. They don't listen to the voice of strangers. They aren't swayed by the counsel of the wicked, but instead only follow the voice of the one who loves them, who nourishes them, who cares for them. But it's always true, as Christ reminds us in verse 10, when he says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. It's always true, and we must always keep in mind that enemies of Christ will come seeking to devour the sheep. They will come in, they will, they will come into the sheepfold by another way, not through the door. They will subtly and sometimes not so subtly convince the sheep to focus on something other than their shepherd. Though it isn't always obvious that that is what is happening. And so you and I must keep on guard, making sure that we're not succumbing to the temptation to look outside of Christ for security, for safety, for provision, for salvation. Christ, verse 10, tells us that he came that his sheep may have life and have it abundantly. He came to give us life abundantly, life to the fullest, not restricted in any way. Yes, there is a fence. Yes, there is a gate to the sheepfold, but this isn't a restrictive boundary. Dear one, everything you need and more can be found in this sheepfold. Your shepherd is there, and he promises to provide for your every need in every circumstance. Trust in Christ, the door to the sheep, who leads his people in and out, who provides rich and abundant blessing, who leads his people to pasture where they are fed and to still waters, as we read in Psalm 23, where they drink deeply of the wondrous mercy and grace of God. In a sermon on this passage, the early church father, Augustine, says this. He says, quote, Let whoever wants to enter the sheepfold enter through the gate. For lowly is the gate, Christ the Lord. The one who enters through this gate has to humble himself so that he may enter it without harming his head. The one who doesn't stoop down but extols himself, however, wants to climb in through a breach. But the one who climbs in through a breach raises himself up so as to fall. End quote. Augustine here is picturing this sheepfold as a high-walled, open-at-the-top area with four sides and a little notch cut into it through which the sheep come in and go out. Therefore, he says, anyone who wants to enter into this fold must stoop, must humble himself before the door, the Lord Christ, in order to have life and have it abundantly. Those who come to Christ with their head held high, trying to do it all in their own accomplishments to, to, uh, to rest in their work instead of the finished work of Christ, will hit their head on their way in, right? Right? and won't be able to make it. 
To come to Christ, you must come humbly, repentant. For Christ is the door, the only point of access to the Father. There's only one name given among men by which we must be saved. Dear ones, there is no other ark to bring God's people to safety. There is no other way to cross the Red Sea but by the one made by the Lord. There is no other path by which you and I can reach the dwelling place of God. Christ is the only door. No one can enter into the presence of God but through Him. So come to Christ. Humbly repent of your sin. Cry out to Him by grace through faith and you will be saved. What's one thing that we know of doors? They keep those who need to be in, in, and they also keep out those who cannot enter and must not enter. Dear ones, there will come a day when the door to salvation will be permanently closed. There will be no more sheep. No more, uh, all the sheep will be in the sheepfold. There will be no more Outsiders allowed entry into the pasturage of Christ. Woe to those. Woe to those who are on the outside looking in on that day. There will come a day when all the elect of God are drawn to Christ and that there are no more lost sheep to find, only goats who don't belong in the sheepfold. And on that day, Dear one, where will you be? Where will you be? I pray that by God's grace, you will be in the rich green pasture that Christ is even now preparing for you. Let us pray. Our gracious and merciful Heavenly Father, we thank you that you did not leave us in our sin, but instead gave us Christ your son, who lived a perfect life, died an atoning death, and rose again from the dead, conquering sin and death and hell, so that all those who believe in him by grace through faith will have life and will have it abundantly. We thank you, O God, that Christ is the door, and we pray that we would, by grace through faith, enter into the sheepfold by the door, Christ our Lord. It's in his name we pray.